You are listening to How to Rewrite Your Stars, the podcast that is all about helping you to change those stubborn patterns that seem as firm as the constellations in the sky. Here, you'll find people just like you, sharing their stories of triumph, courage, and hope. How they were able to rewrite the stars in their own life. This is the show for you if you've been looking for that person who overcame, whom you can relate to, or if you're looking for the tools to be able to change your own story. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, a life coach and mentor who's been working on self-mastery since I was nine years old. Join me now as I welcome another phenomenal guest to have them share their story with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by Starlight Mentoring. Hello, welcome back to How to Rewrite Your Stars. Again, I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, joined today by Eileen Joy. Did I get your name right there? You did. Awesome. Glad to have you on today, Eileen. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. And for the listeners to get to know Eileen a little bit better, she is a money coach for moms. She shows moms how to create wealth without the sacrifice and still enjoy their lives so they can stop living paycheck to paycheck and have a healthy relationship with money. And she shows them how to teach their kids about money so they can be set for life. Her 10-year-old son knows more about money than most adults. Sounds really interesting to me. Eileen <laughs> is a divorced single mom who hit rock bottom after her divorce. She had to get a new house, a new car, and a new job all at the same time. And she went from bankrupt to broke to now totally debt-free, a fully funded emergency fund, a paid-off car three years early, and on track to retire early. She's created an easy system that any busy and overwhelmed mom can follow and specializes in working one-on-one with self-led professional moms who are committed to investing in themselves. Eileen has created a safe and comfortable environment to learn about one of the most avoided and taboo subjects, money. (laughs) No more shame, no more guilt, and no more embarrassment. And here we have Eileen Joy. Well, yes, that's a crazy intro. Yeah. So where do you want to start? (laughs) Where should we dig in? That's a great question. (laughs) Yeah. Because you know, usually I start with the story first, mm-hmm. but I'm curious, you know, what's just one, one thing about money real quick, and then we'll jump into your story and then circle back around to that. What specifically about money? There's so much about money. I make mm-hmm. money easy. Right. Everyone um, thinks money is so hard. And I work with my clients on making it easy and taking the hard out of it because money all starts in your head with your mindset and how you think about money. And we all start from the time that we're age zero to seven. And that's when we learn everything. And that's when we're conditioned and we start learning and patterning and just everything that we're taking in from our environment, from our parents, from everywhere, it gets stuck in our subconscious. And then that's how we operate for the rest of our lives. Unless we have that aha moment and we say, wait a minute, something's not right here. I need to change something, right? And that's when we have that awareness come in of something's not right. And so what I teach is all about where it starts. This is how I start with all of my clients is what's your money story. 
Okay. Where did you learn about money? Because we don't learn about money in school, right? No one actually physically sits down with us and says, this is everything you need to know about money, right? They just And if they say, do, usually it's not good. Exactly. Exactly. Because no one has taught that person either, right? Everyone learns from their environment. So for me personally, my environment with money was my mom was a spender and my dad had a gambling addiction. Oh, So in my house, the money was always going away, right? It was being spent in some way. And there were many, many, many fights between my parents. And there was always yelling and screaming and where's the money and all the bills and you're gambling and all these things. And so my sister and I grew up with money is bad. Money causes fights and all of these negative feelings about money and that there's never enough. Right. But so, no one ever so sat down. Did you grow up then as you were through adolescence and a young adult and on to just push it away as fast as you could, basically? Yeah, I spent it all. Okay. I spent it all into bankruptcy. Yeah, it was oh. gone. I never had it. I graduated college with $30,000 of credit card debt, not student loans, credit card debt. <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Mm hmm. And so you learn about money from your environment, right? And I remember my son and I having a conversation. My son was five when I got divorced. He's 10 now. And we had a conversation not too long ago, actually. We were always talking about money, always. And he said something to me. He said, mommy, people with money are greedy, right? And I looked at him and I said, those words have never crossed these lips. Where did you hear that? You know, and he said on a cartoon. So you see <laughs> it's everywhere. So he's learning from someone else's money story from a cartoon. So whoever wrote the cartoon, right. Had a money story of people that have money are greedy. Yeah. The broke animator. So people have their money <laughs> stories, right. And people live in fear of money. They live in scarcity and lack because no one teaches them abundance. So that's what I teach my clients of how to get rid of that scarcity and the lack and how to live with abundance and live in abundance and learn how to create the money instead of having the money constantly go away because people get paid, right? Mm -hmm. And then most people think you get your money, you get your paycheck. And the first thing you do is pay all your bills. And then you have this little bit left over and that's what you use for food, groceries, going out to eat, getting gas in your car and possibly maybe going out to a movie or having a fun night out. And then all of a sudden there's more months at the end of the money. And then you start using your credit cards to finish out the month. Mm -hmm. And that's how people are slowly creeping into debt. And people are happily paying their credit card bills. They don't even know how much interest they're paying. They're just wasting money, throwing it away with all this interest that they're paying happily, not even paying any attention to it. Oh, I got to pay my bill. Okay, pay it, right? Well, because it's seeing some gratification. They're just doing the minimums and not realizing when it, that, you know, if you've got the paper statements or even just your electronic statements that come in, they're like, if you pay only the minimum you'll and do nothing more, like you'd use this card absolutely no more 
you'll be paying this for the next 11 years for or the rest 13 of your years life. or 15 <laughs> years. Or, and people never read that. Or if they do, they never are just like, huh, maybe I should put this away or figure out how to change my spending. Or I'm not sure what your advice there is, but. Well, my opinion on all of this is that if you think about back to the time when money was first started, right? Someone invented money, right? right? And it started out back in the day with people bartering with cattle and chickens and all these things, right? Mm -hmm. And then over time, it's evolved into what it is now. It's become plastic. It's air, right? Not too many people use actual cash anymore. And so everyone just has these plastic cards or you just click add to cart on your phone, boom, done, right? (laughs) And it's not real anymore. It's become completely intangible and people have no concept of what they're actually spending until they get their bill and they say, oh man, I can't, I can't pay that whole thing. I can't pay that back. I'm just going to pay this little bit and worry about it next month. And then the same pattern just keeps happening over and over and over and over. And no one is saying, hey, cut it out. Stop it. Stop it now. You know, I I also had an interesting thought just now, Um, you know, with as much as video games have become so common Mm -hmm. and, you know, you've got all these tycoon games. Don't get me wrong. I love them. But as a kid, I didn't have a clue how to win them. It was just, oh, yeah, build the roller coaster and do whatever. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I ran out of money and I'm just like, how do I get money? And, you know, now being older and recognizing how the game mechanics work, it's like, oh, that's how you do it. But, you know, being a kid playing the game, it was just, oh, okay, well, I screwed that up. Well, quit game, new game. Mm -hmm. And all that debt was gone because it wasn't real. And now... Like you're saying, for most people, it's all just electronic. And there's probably a significant amount of cognitive dissonance that we completely ignore when we can't just quit the game and start a new one. Exactly. And I don't think we necessarily want to go down this rabbit hole, but that probably also plays into suicide rates because it's like, oh, we'll just quit the game of life. And start a new one, which, you know, doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless you believe in reincarnation, but that's a whole other conversation. Right. <laughs> Different conversation yeah. on that one. But money really has become so intangible that people really, because you don't learn about it, first of all, you have no idea how to manage it. And secondly, you're not paying attention to it because you're just spending it. Mm-hmm. You just spend, 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 spend. No one's paying attention to even what they're spending. And it's, it's fascinating. You know, it's, it's the people that, that I work with are mostly moms. I do work with women that are not moms as well. And the statistics say that 40% of women do not even have an extra $400 set aside for an emergency. Wow. That's mind blowing, right? So what if you have an emergency, like a car emergency and, you know, you have, something that costs like you get, you need two new tires or something that's easily 600 bucks easily. Right. Most people don't have the cash for that. So they just put it on the card and worry about it later. Right. So these are the things that I set people up for is first, what we do is we work on your mindset, Mm -hmm. right? We figure out why you think the way you do about money 
change the way you think about money because a lot of times, most people, you give them the how, right? This is how you do it. Here's the plan. They don't do the plan because they're still thinking the same way about money. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of it. So they hide from it, right? Well, you're trying to... You're trying to give them instructions to ride a bike, and they're like, "Oh, I see how I still have a car. I'm not going to ride the bike," and you know, or some other analogy of the sort. But it's like, "Oh, I'm already like streamlined in this process, so forget that new process." And no one, and a lot of people think that that word "budget" uh-huh. is restricting, which it's not. I actually interviewed my son on my podcast. Uh And I asked him, what does the word budget mean to you? And we went into this whole conversation about it. But simply what a budget is, is you getting to tell your money what to do. That's all it is. It doesn't have to be restricting. So what I teach people is what I call values-based spending. So we figure out what are you wasting your money on? And let's take that money and spend it on the things that you actually care about instead. Hmm. Right? So we save it for the things that you want maybe a nice vacation. Maybe you need a new car. Maybe you want to spend money for something down the road. You know, you're saving for a wedding or, you know, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I teach you how to save for emergencies. And then I also help you set up a debt elimination plan. And what most people think is that you have to pay off all your debt first before you can start saving, which is why people don't save. Right. Right. So I teach you how to pay yourself at the same time that you're paying off your debt so that you're paying down your debt. And then you also have this cash saved on the side. So what if you do need a new tire? You actually have the cash. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't have to put it on the card. And then I teach you how to replenish that. Right. So it's not something that just goes away and you never have it back again. Right. So we set up a plan to set you up for life because that's what I did after my divorce and I had nothing and I hit rock bottom and I didn't know what to do. And I opened up the envelope from my attorney's office after they seized everything from me, after I had to sell my house to pay for my divorce, they took, I would have gotten tens of thousands of dollars from the sale of my home. I was left with $347. I had nothing. I was a single mom with a five-year-old. And at that time, I said, what am I going to do? And I could have stayed stuck there. I could have. I could still be stuck there now. And I'm not because I picked myself up. I dusted myself off and I said, I'm going to figure this out. And I did. And then all my friends started asking me, what did you do? How did you do that? Because it was like in no time. Boom, done. You know, I figured it out. Mm -hmm. And I was able because I got into a car accident. This is all happening all around my divorce. I got into a car accident with my son. My car was totaled. We both ended up in the hospital. It was a whole big thing. And I got a new car. And at the time I was still in that same mindset of, okay, what am I going to do? I have to space out these payments. I got to get the longest loan I possibly can to make the payments as as small as possible, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I got a six-year car loan and I ended up able to pay it off in three years because I was able to figure money out. And I made it easy for myself. And then along the way, I taught my son what I was doing. And I said, look, I didn't learn about money when I was your age. You're going to learn about it. And I'm setting you up for life. I said, this is never going to happen to you. And now he's so set up that he's going to be a multimillionaire by the time that he's my age. 
Awesome. And he's never, ever going to have to worry about it. And I've empowered him with the financial education. And now he talks about money like it's nothing. You know, we talk about money like, the, like it's like the weather. You know, it's nothing. We've normalized the talk of money in the house. And we talk about it like it's nothing. But, you know, I would show him my paychecks and I would explain, this is a paycheck. This is gross. This is net. These are deductions. This is a 401k. I've even set him up with his allowance. I made something that I called the kid 401k. And I taught him how to how to navigate learning what a 401k is. And so the bank of mom gives him money every week for an allowance and we allocate it. And I teach him how to budget his money for spending, for saving, for giving, for investing, everything, right? And so we've set him up and he has this kid 401k that I made up that now he's right. using that money to save for a car. So he's gonna be able to buy his own car. I don't have to buy him a car, Wow. right? And every time we go shopping, we take his wallet with us. And if he wants something, I never have to say no. No, I don't have the money. I say, here's your wallet. You want it? Have at it. You have the money. You know what's in your spending category. If you have enough money, you can buy it. You know, and wow. so his whole entire view of money is so different than what most people think and what most people are feeling and how most people actually use their money for. And I also pay him his allowance in cash and digital money. And I'm teaching him how to use both. So okay. that when we go shopping, I say, do you want to use cash today? Or do you want to use your card? And he knows how to count back cash. So when the cashier gives him money back, he knows exactly how much change he's supposed to get. And he's actually challenged the cashier because one time he got the wrong change back. And he said, this is wrong. And the cashier was said to him, what? No, it's not. And he said, yes, it is. Look, and he explained. And it was amazing. He's 10. <laughs> Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And so you're going back to your story a little bit. You, mm -hmm. It sounds like we kind of covered already most of it that, you know, when you're growing up, it was all missing, all gone, all never there, all fight, all that. And then growing up, it led, to, is that what you would say ultimately led to you getting divorced as money issues or? We had our own different money issues than my parents did. My ex had his own money issues and I had mine. We were both spenders, my ex and I. So we both were spending. We never really spoke about money. We weren't communicating about it. He, mm -hmm. We kept our money completely separate too. So he would spend money. I would spend money. We never spoke about it. And all of a sudden we had none. And back in 2008, when the world ended then, when the stock market crashed and all of the mortgage companies went out of business and the banks were going out of business and all of that, we both lost our jobs at the same time. At the time, I was a mortgage underwriter. And the company I worked for went bankrupt. And at the time, his company also went out of business. And we both lost our jobs at the same time. And we both lived our lives as if we didn't. And we lived on our credit cards. Wow. Because that's all we, we, we use the card, use the card, use the card, you know, but we had no money coming in to pay it back. You know? And it was, you know, <laughs> lesson learned. Right. So right. it's, you know, everyone's got their own thing, you know, and it, you really just need to empower yourself with a financial education. The younger you are, the better, the younger you are, the better and start now, no matter how old you are. Right. And so, you know, after you ended up having, you know, bankruptcy in your house mm -hmm. and the car and the accident and all that, 
where did you go? Like, how did you find out what you needed to about money? Was it just introspection? Did you just find resources? Like, how were you able to figure it out when obviously it was not told to you before? Well, what I started doing was I just went online. That was what I first did. I went to the, you know, Google University and I just started Googling and it was so confusing. It made it worse for me because there was so much information out there and it was very conflicting and a lot of the jargon I didn't understand. And I felt very, I felt stupid, really, you know, honestly, I really just didn't understand it. And most people don't, you know, and then you go on Google and you start reading about it or you watch CNN or you look at the stocks and say, you know, no one understands it because it's, it's so confusing online. So I decided to pick up a book and I ended up reading over 200 books. Wow. And, and that was in one year. I read over 200 books. I just went book after book, after book, after book. And I started listening to podcasts and I started asking questions. I asked for help. I hired people. I just did everything that I possibly could to learn. I even spent $4,000 to spend one day with someone to learn everything that they need to teach me in eight hours. Wow. It was amazing. And it was worth every penny. And I made it all back plus more. It was just, it was the most incredible journey that I went on. And I read the book, so you don't have to basically, you know, <laughs> I mean, raise your hand if you're willing to read 200 books in a year. <laughs> it was more than that. That was just what I, what I know that I read, wow. but I, I got books from Amazon. I went to the library, like so many books, That's so many more books. than one book every two days. Yeah. I was just, I, my head was in a book the whole time. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Ask my son. He was always, mommy, can we play? I'm reading. <laughs> I'm reading. <laughs> well, that's I'm better learning. than, uh, yeah, 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 one minute. You know, just staring at your phone, watching whatever stupid video right. on Facebook. Right, being on Facebook or whatever, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or worse yet, TikTok. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything has its place, but mm -hmm. unfortunately, most people don't learn what that place is. Again, we're never told. Right. So what I'm doing ultimately, my ultimate goal is to stop the generational patterns. And what I mean by that is that your parents learned about money, like right? We need to stop it because I, I, what I want to do is take people's head out of the sand and pay attention, become aware, be mindful, just pay attention to your life, put your phone down. Okay. Just pay attention. Your parents learned about money from their parents their parents learned about money from their parents, their parents learned about money from their parents and so on and so on and so on. So and, all of the money. Mm -hmm. And that great grandparent or the grandparent lived in the great depression. Exactly. That's not great money programming. Exactly. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. And every generation had different issues and they all keep getting passed forward. So they're all passed forward and they're all jumbled together and which creates even more confusion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Well, so, well it's, a, it's a huge game of telephone. Exactly. I mean, sure. The people like you were saying who invented money with that being, you know, chickens and cattle or, you know, cavemen with arrows and meat or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it looked like when it actually was invented, you know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't have a firm concept of it then. 
if they did, okay, that's been how many thousands of years of telephone up until today? Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I am here to stop those generational patterns. And I've done it with my son. It's done. It stopped. Awesome. It is done. He is set for life now. And now he has the financial education where he is now going to move that forward onto his family when he has one and so on and so on. Awesome. So you talked about how budget feels to most people restrictive, but it's actually, did you say liberating? It is. I didn't say that, but it is. Okay. Yeah. Essentially what all a budget is, is you getting to tell your money what to do. I always say one of the first things that you need to figure out is how much does it cost to be you? And that's what we do first, right? Because everyone's different. I say this all the time too. Personal finance is personal, just like your fingerprints. There's a novel concept. <laughs> right? There, no one makes the same amount of money. No one lives the same lifestyle. No one has the same expenses. No one has the same anything. And we all live to keep up with the Joneses, right? And that term keeping up with the Joneses, right? Is oh, yeah. all you do is you look at your phone and this is your reality. This is your reality because everyone's faces are stuck in their phones instead of living real life, right? So all you see is what's on your feed and that's your reality. And that's what you are trying to keep up with. And, to, and that what most people out there say, well, I'm not enough because I'm not like that person. That person's better than me. They have more than me. I'm jealous. They right? get to go on a trip to exactly. Mozambique and Italy. And to... Right. But all you see online are filtered photos that are not even real. Right. And you only see the good things. No one ever posts. I just had a fight with my husband. Right. My husband just punched me in the face. You know, all these things like you don't see these things online. All you see is the made up stuff. Right. It's either fake or just the good. You don't right. like most people don't post my son's having a meltdown. Let me, let me record it and tell everyone about it. <laughs> you know, no one does that stuff. So the only thing that in your actual reality is the fake stuff that you're seeing on the phone. That's why the it's Photoshop. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And all the reality TV shows, you know, it's, it's all scripted, you know, all these things it's fake. Everything is fake. And then there's all these cosmetic surgeons out there telling you, you have to look a certain way. So you need to give me $50,000 so I could fix your butt or, you know, make your boobs bigger. Or, you know, they, they even have this thing out there called the mommy makeover. You know, after you have a baby, the world makes you feel that, you, that you're not worthy because you have stretch marks and, and, the, and your skin's not completely as tight as it was after you had a baby. So you're not good enough and you have to go get it fixed. You know, these are things that, these are the messages that we're receiving and it's not okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. I lost 130 pounds 25 years ago. I was an overweight child. I was the fat girl in school. I was bullied and terrorized and all just for my appearance because I was overweight. I didn't have very many friends because no one wanted to be seen with me. They didn't want to get past my appearance to get to know how amazing I am. But I didn't even get to know how amazing I was until I was an adult because I was so in my head, I'm not worthy enough to even have a friend. 
You know, I never dreamed, I never thought I would ever get married, all these things because of my appearance. And that's just, it's just the way it is. So like, I always teach people that the mindset about weight loss is the exact same mindset as money. Because people think it's exactly the same. Because when I finally had my aha moment, when I had dieted my way up to 245 pounds, I said, I can't live like this anymore. And it was kind of like the same thing with my money, right? And I made the decision to figure it out. How do I live a healthy lifestyle? How do I eat properly? How do I do the things that I need to do to be healthy? And once I figured that out, I lost 130 pounds in 10 months and I kept it off my whole life since then, right? So people that go on a diet think that they're being deprived. So they don't stay on the diet very long because because they are depriving themselves. Exactly. So people think that with a budget, you need to deprive yourself and you can't live in the now and you can't go on the fancy vacations and you can't have fun and you can't, and you can't, and you can't, and you can't. So people think of that word budget as I can't. So what I help you do is to reframe that word. I don't even use that word. I just use it because that's the word people know, but we figure out how much does it cost to be you? And then you tell your money what to do. You know, what is it? What does it cost to be you? What do you like to do? What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy? What, What brings you joy? What makes you happy? And then we, we create the plan to make that happen. We create the life that you really want, not the life of you keeping up with the Joneses and being in debt up to your eyeballs. I, I like the way that you put that. And, um, you know, I'm connecting the dots here with why money mindset is related to weight mindset. Um, it's two different um, facets of health. It's you know, Mm -hmm. the health of the body and the health of the finances. And most people, you go to the root of the problem and it's like you were just saying, I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy of feeling good about myself. I'm not worthy of having financial, you know, freedom. And it's interesting because, you know, my whole growing up years, you know, I'm 25 as of earlier this week. I was, thank you. I was on a seafood diet. I probably heard that, you know, about you know, nine years old, 10 years old, something like that. And one sec. Man, I have a little tickle in my throat. Get some water. Do you have water or tea? Drink yeah. something. Um, man, All good? for the listeners, I, uh, I'm overcoming a slight cold and is like i'm not gonna reschedule i'm just gonna push through it's been fine up until now (laughs) (laughs) um anyways it's on a seafood diet and it was totally fine up until i got a car and got married because i had to physically move myself either by walking or by biking to get anywhere i wanted to and when i got married my wife was intent absolutely obsessed with spoiling me you know, ice cream every night for dessert and you know, like three scoops. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm super fit. Having forgotten that it was like a year earlier, I'd actually gotten that car. <laughs> and then I started going to the gym a few months ago, took the in-body scan and was like, come again? What? Hello? Who? I don't know. What? <laughs> 
I'm 24% body fat. What? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And then, you know, me being me and very aware, even when I'm not aware, but being able to think quickly in personal development and all that. I was like, oh, it was, da, 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 you know, all those things I just detailed out, detailed out. And so I shifted from a seafood diet to a me food diet. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm still, you know, working out the kinks and figuring out what that looks like. But I've shifted towards like, oh, I'm not just going to eat everything in front of me. And, you know, I, I haven't for a few years anyways. It's not like, a, if it's there, I eat it. But it's, you know, that, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. But now it's like, a, do I actually want to eat that? Like, does my body want this? And I feel like, you know, this is one of my next level ups I know is with money. But I feel like a budget might be similar where it's instead of a seafood diet of spending money it's a me food diet of you know what does me benjamin fincher need with his money and you know being a married man beyond that what does me benjamin fincher and my wife you know what does our family need and what's actually going to help us versus oh yeah that would be nice benjamin just had his aha moment yeah you said yeah yeah (laughs) I saw it happen here, folks. (laughs) And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about this podcast is, you know, if I, and, and, you know, this isn't to tout me up, but this is just to throw context here. You know, if I, having been in personal development, you know, studiously for the past seven years and haphazardly since I was nine, if I'm taking ahas from here. Wow, you listeners should be getting so much from this. Like, you know, I'm stoked for what the people listening to this are being able to learn. Because, you know, all that first stuff you were saying, I'm just like, "Mm -hmm, yep, mm -hmm, yep. mm -hmm, mm -hmm." Because, you know, I've known that for a while. where It it at least makes sense. But, you know, those listening, it might be the first time they've ever heard it. And I'm just like, Yes, gotta share that. Awesome. You know, it wasn't coming out of my <laughs> mouth, but it was coming out of Eileen's mouth. Yes. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because I've been on a personal growth journey for I don't even know how long. It's been over 20 years. Awesome. And I learn something new every day. Or mm-hmm. I see something that I've seen before, but in a, a different pair of eyes. You know, so like I could read a book now that I read 20 years ago and see it through a whole different perspective now, because my thinking is different as opposed to the first time I read it. And it was the first time I saw it. And I only got part of, got a little bit out of it because I couldn't really absorb all of it because it was so much coming at me, you know? So the longer you're on your personal growth journey, the more you see things through different eyes and the more you understand those moments of, oh, that's what that meant. Now I get it. You know, and we have aha moment after aha moment after aha moment, you know, and, and over time, and as you grow and as you get older and as I get older, you know, we're still going to be doing that, you know, as yeah. we grow and we're on our journey and we learn and we see, you know, people doing the most amazing things in the world, like doing my podcast 
and I'm sure you doing your podcast, we get to meet the most amazing people. Oh yeah. It's so fun. It's so cool. And it's just the people that are out there are just fascinating. They're fascinating. And they're doing the most amazing things for the world. And that's one of the things that I talk about with my son too, is people always say, this is another thing that the parents are hung up on, right? This is a generational thing that I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you might find this interesting. A lot of people say, when you first meet them, one of the first questions is, what do you do? Well, who cares? You know, like for the most part, because most people just have a job just to make money and they don't really care about it. Most people out there have a soul sucking job that they hate, but they go to it every day. And now, thankfully, with I think that part of the pandemic was was good. And obviously part of it was bad. But the good part of it was that now a lot of people are able to work from home and have that time with their families that they didn't have before and, or have a flexible schedule where they might not have to commute, go into the office anymore. And so it's not as soul sucking because you're not in commuting, but all in all, most people really don't enjoy their jobs. Then there's those people that love their jobs, which is amazing, right? But people say, what do you do? And our parents want us always to do better than what they had, right? Mm -hmm. So I know my parents were like, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer or this or that, you know, and all these jobs. And I, that doesn't interest me. Sorry. No, that doesn't interest me. Right. And, but the world needs everyone, right? right? The world needs a variety. The world doesn't just need doctors and lawyers and engineers, right? We need everyone. We need people to save the earth. We need people to work the library. We need people to do everything. We need cashiers. We need restaurants. We, we, we need all the need things. artists. We do need yes. authors. Yes. And my son who is so unique and lovely and wonderful. And he has such a kind and generous heart and he hates sports, hates them. Anything with a ball, he has no interest. Right? I, I personally prefer chess. He just started learning how to play chess nice. and he is an, my son loves art. He loves, loves, loves art, loves it so much. And he loves nature and he loves science and engineering and he loves building things. And he's so creative, his mind, he's always in his mind. So for him, I always like people ask him, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I hate that question. So I say, let's ask a different question. The question we should be asking is what problem do we want to solve in the world. Right. So I ask him all the time, what problems do you want to solve in the world? That's what you should be thinking. And you don't have to know today. And it's okay if you don't know today, because every day is a new day and you can change your mind every single day. And you don't have to stick with something forever. And if you want to solve this problem and then solve this problem and then solve this problem, that's amazing. Well, well and even to intertwine with that, you know, I love that. Um, you know, what problem do you want to solve? But to intertwine with that, who do you want to be when you grow mm-hmm. up? Such a different question than what do you want to do? Exactly. Because everyone know, says you, know, you have to do something to make money. That's all, that's all it is at the end of the day. You have to have these high paying jobs, but you don't. Yeah. And it's even like, the people- I, I want to be an eccentric job, billionaire that helps tons of people. So do that. 
<laughs> if that's what you but, really want, then go do that. But, you know, before that, I want to make sure that I'm focusing on my role as a husband and a father. You can do that all at the same time. Right. And people get so caught up with one or the other that they forget you can have all four of them. Both end. And, you know, the other 20 words sitting here in the wall in front of me, you know, enthusiastic, intuitive, encouraging, noble, king, chief, deep, visionary, leader. Yeah. If you don't know where these words came from, go listen to the episode with Jason Hewlett. He's super awesome friend and has a really awesome process for figuring out who you want to be. It is important. It really is. Because when I was growing up, I didn't know who I was. I never had the opportunity to find out. I wasn't allowed to dream in my house. And it wasn't until after my divorce and going through therapy and going on a different journey than I was already on was when I was able to really find me. Yeah. And find the light inside of me and turn it on. Oh, excuse me, you finally got knocked off the conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you had to realize, oh, I'm not on the conveyor belt anymore. What does that mean about me? Who am I now? I'm not exactly. this good little prepackaged human on the conveyor belt of life. <laughs> right. I burned the box, right? You have to fit inside the box, right? Mm-hmm. I burned that box. Nice. The box is gone. There is no box. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious what your opinion is on allowances, because I never had one growing up. And you mentioned that your son has one. And so I'm curious what your perspective on that is, because obviously my parents were like, no, you don't need an allowance. You know, you just do his chores and earn you keep and whatever. Well, I give my son an allowance just for being an amazing human being, human being and because I want him to learn about money. Right. So mm-hmm. he does have chores and he, Whether he does his chores or not is regardless of the allowance, but he does his chores. And I do attach his chores to his allowance. I have an app that we use where he has all his chores listed and then all of his money goes into this account and it's on the app. And so within the app, we can, we allocate his money. We separate it into his spending, his saving, his investing and his giving. And he has it all there. I just can't help laugh. 10 year old investing portion of my money. <laughs> he has thousands of dollars saved already in cash and investments. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, how different my life would be if my parents had done that. And yet I am the pioneer. You are still young and you have a ton of time. A ton of time. Yeah. And my children's lives will be very different because I am a pioneer. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and I think the thing we forget about is you don't have to cross the entirety of the United States in a wheeling hand cart or riding a covered wagon to be a pioneer. Exactly. Not in these days, right? That was a couple of hundred years ago. No, Bless now them. you just turn on Thankful Zoom. Thankful for them. But <laughs> you don't got to do that to be a pioneer today. Not at all. What you need is an idea an idea and a dream. And then you need the actual action. And that's what it's all about. Just taking inspired action every single day. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Being 1% better than you were yesterday. Atomic habits. Love it. Yes. 
the mm-hmm. middle of reading that right now. Good old James Clear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, took a drink at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, why not? <laughs> uh, I'm also grateful for my microphone that I can just pull back and it mutes so that when I'm coughing, it doesn't go on the recording so I don't have to edit it. <laughs> exactly. That's the best. Uh, yeah. You know, thinking about that, it's you know, determination and commitment above motivation. I didn't really want to get on this call. You know, an hour before, I was like, what if I just say, hey, can we reschedule? I'm sure Eileen will understand. You know, I'm not feeling well. My voice will sound funny in the recording. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, maybe if I thought of that this morning or even yesterday, sure. Maybe. Makes me think about my three appointments tomorrow for recordings. (laughs) 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 I'm going to have to do some throat care tonight. Throat coat for That's that's amazing. It's good old chamomile, all that stuff. Isn't that the same thing with the budget, though? It's the commitment, not the motivation. Yes and no. Because you do need motivation. We all need motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Motivation comes from within, right? Everything that we have is within us. And most people don't know where to find it. And that's the problem. Well, it's because oftentimes you have to start before it shows up. Exactly. And so exactly. we're waiting, waiting around. Oh, where's that motivation? Wait for this good old juicy motivation to show up in my life. Meanwhile, the person next to you that just started is like, dude, I got some motivation. You're like, where's mine? It's like, I don't know. I just started and I've got some. Sounds like a scam. <laughs> I've always had motivation ever since I was little. I always had an entrepreneurial spirit too. I remember when I was little, I would put my toys in my wagon and I would go door to door and sell my toys. Seriously? I would knock on my neighbors. Yeah. It was amazing. And then when I was little, so I, I, I did um, tap jazz and ballet. I was in dancing school from the time okay. I was three all the way through high school. And I remember when I was in elementary school, I did the same thing. I would knock on the doors of my neighbors and I'd walk around the neighborhood in my leotard and my tutu. <laughs> and I would, I would ask them if I could practice my routines for them for money. <laughs> they would pay me. And I would go and I would practice my dance routines for my recital. And they would pay, it was hilarious. And I think back now, I'm like, wow, they actually paid me. <laughs> they felt bad for the little fat girl in the tattoo. <laughs> That's crazy. I said tattoo in the tutu. Yeah. It makes me think, you know, Google Photos will be like, hey, look at this memory from six years ago or seven years ago or two years ago, whatever. So it was like three years ago or something. Um, I did the paperclip challenge. Mm-hmm. You know that one? Mm-hmm. Start out with a paperclip, you know, go door to door and you're like, or, you know, maybe you're just online or whatever. I did door to door and, you know, knock, hey, I'm playing a game called Bigger or Better. Do you have something you'd be willing to trade that's bigger or better than this paperclip? And I think I went fruit snack, here's sunglasses, heart sunglasses. And then Santa hat thermos 
And then the next person was just like, dude, this is awesome. I love this game. I'm not going to take your thing, but I'm just going to give you another thermos and a hydro pack. And it's like, dude, that's what? awesome. <laughs> the two thermoses, a hydro pack. And then I traded those for an inflatable queen mattress. Wow. Which my wife and I used for our first month after getting married. So it was great. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's amazing what you can do out there with just an idea. And like you said, it's the mindset. For me, it was just like, yeah, I know this works. Like I can totally do this. Mm-hmm. And, and I just was challenged to do it. And so I finally did it because, you know, I'd heard about it years before. And then I finally was challenged. So yeah, do this. I'm like, okay. And the crazy thing is, I didn't even start out with my own paperclip. I literally asked somebody else for a paperclip. Yeah, see? <laughs> so just by asking questions and knowing I could and would get answers in the affirmative, I was like, okay, cool. And there was one offer that I declined because I'm like, that looks like garbage. It's bigger, yes, but it, no, that's not better than what I have. That reminds me of one year when I took my son trick-or-treating. He was three years old and it was hilarious because I didn't let him eat. I didn't let him eat uh, candy. Uh-huh. And because, um, you know, the whole weight loss thing and like my mindset around food and I was like, he never ate candy. And so on Halloween, I would let him have bad. like one piece, you know, and he never had had it anyway at three years old. He just didn't have it. So he didn't right. really even know what it was at the time. So he just knew about wearing a costume. So we took him trick-or-treating and we were going around the neighborhood and I had him in the wagon. It was the wagon, I guess. <laughs> had him in a wagon. And because uh, the neighborhood that I lived in at the time had like, crazy hills and I knew he wouldn't make it the whole time. So we had him in the wagon, going Man, door to door. Tough mom to wheel him around. Right? It was, oh, yeah. So I do jujitsu as well. So, <laughs> okay, okay. so, yeah. Anyway, so the, um, the first house we went to, this was another thing. At the time, he was very into things that spin. He was mm. so fascinated by anything that's like <laughs> so fidget toys, anything like ceiling fans, whatever, anything. And then in my house, he would play with the washing machine because you could stick your hand in it and spin it and all these things. (laughs) And he was obsessed with washing machines. And I actually, I remember it. I'm having all these memory flashbacks all of a sudden. But (laughs) I would take him to Home Depot and he would play with the washing machines. (laughs) (laughs) If it was raining and we couldn't go to the playground, we'd go to Home Depot and we'd play with the washing (laughs) But anyway, that's so random and weird. But um, so anyway, so we were trick or treating, and the first person opened the door, and he saw the ceiling fan, and he was just, "Can I see your ceiling fan?" And he just walked in, and and, it, and then he said, "Can I see your washing machine?" <laughs> and I was like, "What are you doing?" So it was hilarious, and he did that at every single house. Every single house, he was asking to see their washing machine, or and he was so cute. He was three, you know. So the the people were like, "Okay, come on in," you know, and they would. And we and I would be standing at the front door, not knowing if I should come in or not. It was very awkward and strange. And then he would always leave with a toy, or they would give him toys. So the by the end of the night, the wagon was filled with toys, and someone gave him a big wheels out of their garage because their kid wasn't using it anymore. And then we came home with all this great stuff. I'm like, see, you don't need candy. (laughs) There are alternative options. There are. There are random memories but yeah so anything with allowance getting back to the original question Uh 
for my son, I give him an allowance just because I really want him to learn about money. I want him to learn how to spend it properly. I want him to have the mindset around spending and also saving and understanding how to save. And for him, within his allowance and within everything that I've been teaching him, I've taught him what a 401k is, right? Because I had shown him my paychecks Mm -hmm. and I explained to him everything that there is to know about the paycheck. And I explained, well, this is a 401k. This is for retirement. This is for later on. And you need to know now how to do that because you have to start saving now. And, you know, my parents didn't, my parents had pensions. They didn't have to save a ton of money. They did, but they didn't have to save, you know, because Mm -hmm. they had the pensions and then they still had their health insurance and everything when they retired. But now companies don't do that anymore. And we are now responsible for our own future. Right. So I am teaching him now that he's responsible for his own future. And so I'm ex- I explained to him, look, this is how a 401k works. So I set one up for him that I made up within his app where every payday for him is Thursday for his allowance. Mm-hmm. And we allocate all of his money to spending, to saving, to his 401k where he contributes and then to giving. And then we invest. Right. So every week we do that. And for the 401k, the bank of mom also contributes to the 401k like an employer would. Mm-hmm. So he does his contribution, I do mine, and he's using that money now to save for a car, right? So he's doing all of that now, and he's learning all of these concepts that he doesn't completely understand because he's not an employee and he doesn't physically have, but he gets it, right. you know? And he hears me talk about everything and he listens when I'm recording my podcast and he listens when I'm on the, on the Zoom calls with my clients and the things that we talk about and the things that we, like we get into really meaningful conversations, just right. random things. Like one day I gave him a spending challenge because he doesn't ever want to spend his money. He just doesn't, he doesn't want anything. And so one day I said, you know what? We're going to go have a spending challenge today. I said, I challenge you to spend $20 because normally when we go out, well, We'll go to the dollar store and he'll buy something, you know, and it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just this little junk, you know? <laughs> right. And I said, I want you to spend $20 today. And he said, $20, that's a lot of money. You know, I don't want to spend that. And I said, well, I want you to spend it. We're going to the store. And so we went to the store and then he was, he was bartering with me. And he said, well, how about if I only spend $5? I said, fine, whatever. Let's just go in the store. I didn't, we'll figure it out. So he went right to the Legos. He loves Legos. Mm-hmm. He never realized how expensive Legos were. So he goes right to the big sets, you know, they like a hundred bucks or more, you know, right, the, and he's looking at them and he says, a hundred dollars, you know? And, <laughs> and I said, you know, for all those birthdays that you had, that all those people bought you all those Lego sets, do you realize now how much money people are spending on you for your gifts? And he said, I had no idea. And so in the aisle, the way that the, the aisle is set up is like the little tiny figures that are $5 are all the way down at this side. And then you keep walking down the aisle further, further down and they get more and more expensive. Right, so he started down. all the way down at the expensive side, right? So now he's walking back towards the less expensive things. <laughs> and then he finds this other set that he liked. And he said, $36. And I said, well, you know, I challenged you to spend 20. So maybe you can find something for 20. And he said, I don't want to spend 20 <laughs> He said, what can I get for $5? You know, and he's just looking around, looking around, looking around. And he finally found a set that cost $12. It was one of those three in ones where it makes three different things. And so he really liked that one. And I said, so get it. 
So we said, okay. And whenever we go shopping, we always go to the self-checkout. We always go now. Like that's what I, we started doing. And the reason being is because I want him to be able to do it all. And it's really cool because also I take him grocery shopping. And so while we're grocery shopping, I have him use the calculator and we add up every item on the calculator as we go through. And then I show him that like, this is how much we can spend today. Let's see how much it comes out to after we have everything in the cart. Mm -hmm. And then every time we go to the self-checkout, we find items in the register that do not match the price that's on the shelf. It's always more, always more. The prices in the, in the register are more. And most people don't pay attention and they just swipe and swipe and they swipe their stuff and go. Right. Right. And so it's amazing. And so there's so many times that I call the girl over and can you fix this price? And I'll go back to the shelf and take a picture. Like, this is not right. There was one time that I was buying something. It was supposed to be $4. It was $20 in the register. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. No, I was mad. I said, I want to return this. How do I do that? You know, I was so mad. Like you really need to pay attention. Like things like chicken. There was one time this is like little things. Like you look at the unit price, right? I teach my son about unit price. I teach him so much at the supermarket because there's so much at the supermarket. Mm, price per ounce and all that yes, stuff. Yes, price per pound, whatever, right? So chicken, it was a sale. The chicken was like $3.99 or whatever, a pound on the sale sign. And I looked at the chicken. I was looking at it all, looking at how much the unit prices were. They were all different. They were all different. One was $2.99. One was $5.49. One was $6.49. They were all different for the same thing. And none of them had the actual price that was listed on the sign. <laughs> you know, so you really need to pay attention. It's it's interesting. But I, I remember there was at least one time where I caught, you know, it was maybe like a 50 cent difference or something on like a pie, it was pie mm-hmm. day or something. And I take it over to the register and it's like, that's not what the sign said. <laughs> yeah, but it's like that every day. It's amazing. Crazy. So he gets his Legos. We go to the register. He pays for it. And I'm all excited. I said, yeah, you spent over $5, you know? So we get back home and he's all excited about his Legos and he puts them together. And then later that day, I was looking through his backpack for school and there was a note in his folder from the teacher that they were going to have a field trip coming up and we needed to pay $20 for the field trip. So they had an envelope and whatever. So I went into my wallet and I only had $12 in my wallet. So I said, okay, let's get in the car. We got to go to the ATM. And he said, for what? What do we need? And I told him about the field trip. I said, I only have $12. He went in his room, went in his wallet, and came back with $8. And he said, here you go, mommy. Here's $8. Now you have $20. And now I spent $20 today. And I won my challenge. (laughs) (laughs) I was so proud of him. Well, and to throw some contrast on the allowance versus no allowance, like I said, for me, I had no allowance growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, I'm not remembering any instance in which my parents paid me. Um, I just stuck it all in savings. You know, when I started working, when I was 16, I just stuck all of it in savings. Never touched it. I, I maybe, maybe spent more than $500 before I was, you know, 18 um, probably closer to a hundred, if that. 
And, you know, when I hit 18 and a half, I went on a two-year service mission down in Peru. That's and amazing. so I had to learn how to spend money all of a sudden. And, you know, my mom had, you know, we homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone to the grocery market with her plenty of times. <laughs> and she was always like, okay, coupon clipping. And, you know, here's the prices, accounts, and this, that, and the other. Um, we didn't really have to buy food because we just gave the money to some people that would then cook for us. And so, you know, honestly really spoiled, but it was awesome. <laughs> I told that to other people that have got on service missions and they're just like, what? I had to do my own cooking. I'm just like, um, I'm not trying to flout this. I'm just, you know, that's what happened. <laughs> and I think the most spending I did was I would go and take out for my personal funds, you know, go to the ATM and buy and uh, take out personal funds to go buy souvenirs. Because arguably they were really cheap, mm-hmm. especially we consider that my money effectively tripled because right. of the currency the conversion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was when I really started spending money. When I come back home, I don't remember exactly, but my bank account was either near empty or maybe had a couple thousand in it. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, a, oh, well, now I have to spend money. Like, what? <laughs> I still didn't know what the heck to do with it. Exactly. And, you know, I ended up getting a credit card. And for the first few years, I was really good about every single month, paid off, every single month paid off. And so effectively, the credit card was working for me because of the bounce back rewards points, whatever. And then it got to a point where I wasn't able to pay it all back. And I'm like, huh, shoot. And, you know, I'm working on that. <laughs> you know, who isn't? You, you're not. Awesome. No. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that, you know, I'm trying to work on and trying to figure out. And I'm like, okay, the thing that got me here isn't the thing that's going to get me out. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of learning. It's just, yeah. and you're reading the book, right? Creating new habits, right? So it's, right. that's what it's it, about. And my wife and I are actually tomorrow going to be meeting up with some people that are financially, you know, a lot better than us and working towards mm-hmm. financial independence. And they're going to help us put together a budget. And there's nice. that part of me that's just like, See? don't you dare tell me how to spend my money. No, and but then there's the part of me that's like, not that. I don't know how, but this will help. But that's, you just said what everyone else says. The budget is restricting. That's, that's your view. That's your money story. You just said it. Right. You just put it right. And, and I not- recognize that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to change. How do I change? Okay, well, let's help me figure out a budget and you know if that's the first step i can take great what's the next step i can take right and well yeah that's how you grow exactly step by step by step and i teach people like i teach my son i I make it so easy and simple i break it down find everything as it comes up yeah and it's it's i just break it down so easy that after a little while, everyone says, I can't believe I ever thought this was so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I always say it's so easy a 10 year old can do it. You know, it really is. But, and for him, he never had any other money stories. So for him, it was just normal for him. That's the way he learned. So for the people that I'm working with is I have to help them unlearn their habits and unlearn and relearn a new way. Right. Which is 
which is why it, we use the it, mindset. It's not necessarily significantly more difficult, but we make it. Everyone overthinks everything and make they make stuff up in their head. It, make I mean, up stories that aren't true. Just to show how simple it is to change that. Like I said, I went on that two-year service mission. And we don't choose where we go. We're, we're assigned where to mm-hmm. go. And when I opened up the paper that says where I'm going, you open up my call and says, you're going to Cusco, Peru, speaking Spanish. Okay, that's great. I love it. But up until that point, I had developed this crazy story in my head that everything to do with Spanish speakers is evil. Why? Well, because all Latinos are evil. Well, why? Because all Mexicans are evil. Well, why? Because all Mexican drug cartels are evil. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) How did that lead to there? And it seems so stupid when you go back and look at it. But you look at it and you're just like, whoa, I really had some messed up thinking going there. And it was literally a split second for that to disappear. Because I knew I'm going there. I'm going to serve these people. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to help them. And it was it was literally like that quick, like faster than a snap of the fingers in my head. It was just, oh, well, Spanish people aren't evil anymore. Latinos aren't evil anymore. Mexicans aren't evil anymore. Okay, drug cartels, yeah, they're still pretty evil. <laughs> but I immediately retraced through years of mental programming, subconscious programming, that my dad at one point had, you know, not thinking, said, oh yeah, I think Mexican drug cartels are like super bad. And, you know, maybe he shared a news article about El Capone or whoever the heck the guy was at the time. And he's just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And blah, 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 blah. Which, you know, went into my young mind, however old I was at the time. That led to that crazy blown up story. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't difficult to change because I had enough reason to change it. I was going to go help those people. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to help them if I hate them. <laughs> exactly. So how can you change your money story? You need a big enough reason. Yeah, everyone has, it's really when people have aha moments. It's the awareness. It's usually yeah. once you you change your awareness and you take your head out of the sand for whatever the issue is. It doesn't matter what the money or whatever. Well, well, and even just realizing, oh, I hate money because blah, blah, blah. When I was three years old, Mm -hmm. mom and dad fighting, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. That's pretty simple to realize, not necessarily easy or hard to resolve it, but you know, it's resolvable, which means you can do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fighting was so bad in my house that my sister ran away from home and I didn't talk to her for over 20 years. Wow. It was so bad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I dare say most people listening can't trump that. So there goes your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's interesting. Everyone's environment is totally different. And everyone's stories are different. Everyone's everything is different. We can't, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. You really can't. We just need to lead with kindness 
live with a grateful heart and just move forward however we can and just get your head out of the sand, live your life. And also getting your head out of the sand also means getting it off the phone, like get your head out of your phone like, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, IRL, be, live your life, spend some live time with in the real people. life, not just exactly. mention it. <laughs> exactly. Stop keeping up with the Joneses and realize what's really important to you. What's yeah. important to you? How do you want to live your life? Who do you want to be as a person? And that's really what matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I can tell we're wrapping up, but I do want to ask you what could be deemed as a really tough question. What of those people that mention, oh, but what about the low wages or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what the question is exactly, but like, you know, you, you said that you've been able to budget your finances and everything. Is there a point where you can't do that because you're earning so little or can you do that at any point? Like you you might know better what I'm trying to ask. I, I know what you're asking. Essentially, a lot of people are just living outside of their means, right? So people who tend to make a lower wage also tend to overspend or buy a really expensive car that they can't afford or live in a neighborhood that they really can't afford either. And realize a lot of people too, don't even realize their own potential and they go because they feel that they're not worthy. They go get a job that they, they really can get a way better job than they, than they have, you know, and I do, (laughs) I, I do. Right. A lot of people do. Right. Even making 13 bucks an hour, I know I can be doing a ton better. Yes. Yes. And so what happens is you don't make a lot and you live on your credit cards. You buy things that you don't, you can't really afford. And and that's what happened. That's the problem. Right. And so I teach people too how to have a side hustle. I also teach people how to find a better job. And then also during our work together, they realize their worth. Because we work on that. It's not just money coaching. It's your whole life. Your, it, your money affects your entire life, right? So it all starts with inside, in your, inside of you, where your worth is, your self-worth. And that's really where it all begins, no matter what subject you're talking about. Right. Can I just interject really quick? Yes. I've known this, but it just reminded me just now where you're talking about, you know, know what your worth is uh, that's very financial term and if you are depreciating your own self-worth then you will depreciate your own financial worth as you go mm-hmm. in for jobs or careers or any of yeah. that and also this is another perspective of thinking as well is that when you don't think you're enough right you always go for less than your worth for a job or even a relationship or it, it affects everything, right? So when you feel less, less than inside mm-hmm. and you think money is hard, everything's going to be hard, right? So the way that you think about everything, your brain, I'm sure you know this from all of your research and everything, your brain gives you evidence of what you're thinking is true. 
-hmm. right? So it's the same thing with money. So if your whole life you've had this money story of money is hard, people with money are greedy, whatever, whatever it is, money doesn't grow on trees, all these negative connotations that people have about money, that's what your, your brain will find evidence that that is true all the time. So what we do is we work on your money story and your money mindset and the way that you think about money and we reframe it into thinking, I am worthy. I can live with abundance. I am so much more worthy than what I'm doing. I have so much within me. I, I'm an amazing person. You know, all these things, right? I have so much to offer the world. I'm talented. I have all these skills, right? That you're not using because you're inside you're telling yourself that you're not worth it. Yeah. And so once you start to reframe all of that and you really realize you're really awesome, right? Mm. And every person was put on this planet for a reason, not to feel like a piece of garbage. You know, we're all here for a purpose and we're all here to shine in our own way. And one of the things I do a lot of other things with my money coaching, like I'm a Reiki practitioner. I also do past life, um, past life hypnosis regression. I also do a human design. And so I use okay. people's human design charts with them to show them that this is your superpower and that your conditioning that you've had your whole life has dimmed your light. And your human design teaches you what you're supposed to be, what you were born to be, what you were born to do, how you were, how you were born to shine in the world and what your purpose is and how you're supposed to live your life. And it's usually from your sacral, right? And your sacral in your body is what tells you the yes or no, right? Mm. Do I really want to do this? Yes or no. And you have to listen really carefully to your body. And if your body is telling you no, and you know when your body tells you no, right? You can have like You're a feeling like, like yeah, I'm going to do it anyways. Like immediately your, your brain says no, or, or you feel like you're going to throw up or like you just have this terrible feeling or it's just your body tells you everything. And if you're excited about something, you, you know that feeling, right? So I, a general rule for people is when you're offered to do something, when you have an opportunity, if it's not a heck yes, and it's a heck no, you know the difference. If it's not a heck yes, then say no. Well, isn't that from Essentialism by Greg McEwen as well? It was in there as well. Yeah. And that's, and he gets that from, because that's what the sacral is. The sacral in your body is mm -hmm. what tells you yes or no. And that's your whole sacral chakra and all that. And right. it all just comes from that. And that's where it all stems from. And it's just well, an amazing thing because, oh, go ahead. It also makes sense why that chakra in particular is under such attack like in what way just in media like everything to do with the sacral chakra the sacral chakra mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just being under attack like so so much and like you know this feels like a huge long tangent rabbit hole so I think I'll just leave it there, but, you know, in film and TV, you know, just on the internet, like, you know, the proper function is under attack. Mm. Well, I don't listen to that. 
I don't either. I don't listen to it. I don't even watch the news. Yeah. Honestly, I don't listen to all of that. I listen to my intuition. I listen to what I need for myself. I move forward every day with intention for what I need for my life. And that's what I teach people how to do and to stop listening to the noise because it's all everyone else's opinion. And what really matters at the end of the day is what matters to you in your life for you and your family. And to just, there's so much noise out there. So much noise. You just have to put the phone down. Just live your life. Right. Go take a walk. Go take a hike. Go enjoy the earth. You know, just that's what we were back in the day. That's all we had. Right. Everyone walked everywhere. I rode a horse. You know? right. <laughs> and things now have changed so much to the point where there's so much noise out there. But that's what's creating all the mental health issues and all the other things that's going on in the world. It's creating all this tension and hate. And I want no part of that. Yeah. You know, go reconnect to Mother Earth so that you can, you know, ground your root chakra, which then will lead into your sacral chakra getting properly aligned again. Exactly. Sounds like we could go super in depth on chakras. I could talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll need a part two, a part seven, a part 12. <laughs> right. Part eight, part 12. Right. Awesome. Well, obviously there's more you could share with us about money, but I feel like we're in a good spot to wrap up. Any last thoughts you would share before we do? I just challenge people to take some time and just look at your money. Just go look at it. Go open your bank account. Look how much money's coming in. Look how much money's going out. Look at your credit card statement. Do you know how much interest you're paying? Where's your money going? What are you spending your money on? Where is it going? Why don't you have enough money at the end of the month? Just do that. Just start there. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Eileen, for being on the show today. Uh, You know, even for myself, definitely had some of my money beliefs challenged, which is a good thing because I'm not where I want to be financially, which means that I need a lot of my money beliefs challenged. Agreed. <laughs> so Eileen, forgot to ask this because again, coming over cold, a little bit hazy, but if people wanted to find you and you know be able to work with you, where would they be able to find you at? The easiest place to find me is my website, momswhomoney.com. I also have an amazing podcast called Moms Who Money as well. I make very short episodes for busy moms and I am also on Instagram and Facebook as Eileen Joy Money Coach. And I'm on LinkedIn as Eileen Joy Moms Who Money. And I'm currently now working one-on-one with my clients. I only have two spots open right now. So if you want to get in, you got to jump on it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on today. And thanks for letting us know where you can find you at. Thank you so much. This was great. You're welcome. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in again this week. And, you know, remember you can rewrite your stars and, you know, you can do that with money as well. And we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I hope that you've been able to gain that missing piece or get that gold nugget you've been needing to continue rewriting your life, how you want it to look. Until next time, I'm Benjamin Fincher. 
helping you to rewrite your stars.